1: This is what the market looks like when we can just stop thinking about the trade tensions with China. For one day, Dow surging 320 points, S&P climbing Ah. 0.88%. NASDAQ gaining 0.88% too. So what's happening here? Very simply, this rally was a continuation of Friday's move based on those incredibly robust employment numbers that we got from the Labor Department, but with a whole new group of stocks leading the way. As I'm always telling you, from the perspective of the stock market, there is no piece of data more important than the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report. A bad employment number lingers like fallout after a nuclear blast. A good one creates a halo effect that lasts far longer than one day. Without any saber rattling on trade from the White House, we can revert to our regularly scheduled programming, where fabulous jobs data produces fabulous stock market gains, particularly the kind of cyclical stocks that looked like they'd fallen out of favor until we saw this number. Groups like the Industrials. Let's start with Caterpillar, everybody knows it. After being a phenomenal winner for years, Cat hit a wall that no earth mover could possibly budge. (laughs) Incredibly, the company reported a total blowout quarter. Then management proceeded to throw cold water on the rest of the year with comments about how the great quarter may be the high watermark for earnings. At the time, it seemed like, well, Cat was talking about margins coming down. But since then, the trade war has taken on a life of its own. And that's made people so scared, so afraid that they sell, 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 on every opportunity. So now the finest industrial in America has a stock that's off 10% for the year, down 32 points from its high because of concerns that it may be cut off from its best growth market, which is China. The thing is, Caterpillar is still doing very, very well. And today, people seem to remember that. Even with the stock gaining more than 5 bucks, I still think it's too cheap to endure. That said, we're about coming up with new ideas on mad money, and I actually prefer United Rentals. With a stock that's also down 10%, uh, but unlike CAT. This one's all domestic with no Chinese exposure. Just last week, United Rentals bought a company called Baker Corp. A tank, pump, and filtration rental business dovetails perfectly with their existing equipment rental operation, which is on fire. Caterpillar sells for 13 times earnings, but United Rentals sells for merely 10 times earnings. And again, it has zero China exposure, which means it, it's even cheaper than it looks. I know the stock ran out more than $5 today guilty, but if this benign environment continues, I think you could have a much bigger move. Think of this company as the direct way to play Friday's fantastic employment number, especially the in construction and manufacturing. Plus, with oil this high. Well, you've got lots of companies renting equipment from URI to build pipelines to do anything to get oil out of the ground. I would be a buyer right here tomorrow morning. What else caught fire today? Boeing. Well, Boeing's still up almost 16% for the year. It's come down more than 30 points from its high. And believe me, that is all China. As I keep telling you, though, China needs Boeing more than Boeing needs China. There's tremendous demand for their planes from airlines all over the world, but it's fallen on deaf ears because people will believe anything negative if it relates back to Chinese woes. Still, if you want an industrial with less uh, China exposure, I got one. I got one. How about General Electric? Got a lot of aerospace. Recommended on Friday with GE. You get that gigantic aerospace business, but you also have the oil service biz with the price of crude breaking out and the red-hot healthcare equipment division, which is radically undervalued. GE stock is down 20% for the year. The company's involved in a major restructuring that will ultimately transform into a far more focused manufacturer of jet engines and turbines and a uh, huge servicer. What else led us higher today? You got the transports, particularly FedEx. This thing was up more than six bucks. I knew FedEx was uh, tied to to China as they've worked hard to grow that business. But I was still surprised to realize its stock is down 6% for the year and off 40 points from its high because of China. The darn thing's been clobbered by China. Nobody seems to care that the business is firing on all cylinders. As e-commerce is the gift that keeps on giving. Plus, the stock is way too cheap again, though. While I like FedEx a lot, I got a better one. I prefer United Parcel. That's down 9% for the year and gives you some protection thanks to its 3% yield. All right. Got some other industrials. 3M, Emerson, Honeywell, United Technologies, which haven't been able to gain any traction because they, too, have been dismissed as total China plays. These seem to be very risky. While I think the negativity in these stocks has been ex- just well into the excess stage, I can tell you that all four will quickly give up their gains from today with a single tweet from the president about trade. Whether he's bashing China or criticizing European auto tariffs, my real worry, these stocks will get hit. That said, my Chapel Trust owns three out of four, 3M, Emerson, and Honeywell. And while I'll defend these stocks on a Wednesday conference call for members of the Actionlorsplus.com club, today's action shows you that these names trade as though China is the only thing that matters. It should not be the case. That's the rational view. But it is. The market is irrational. Then there's Wynn Resorts, the casino company with a stock that's up three bucks today. Still wins down 43 points from its highs because of worries about its huge business in Macau, which is where the Chinese high rollers go to gamble. I think Win's way too cheap. I suspect that a single positive word about China from a president could send this stock up 20 bucks. But a negative tweet would take it down no more than five. Ooh, I like this. Down five, up 20. Terrific risk reward. Finally, there's the big shocker of the day. I'm saving the best for last. The financials, the fins. Lots of people believe that the banks were bound by a treasury yield curve that's simply not hospitable to making money from lending. However, today's stunning action suggests that China... China's been weighing far more heavily on the banks than we thought. There's nothing like a big update to find out what's really going on, is there? The rallies in J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs were so pronounced that we can only conclude that these stocks have also been caught up in the world trade woes. That's right. Despite the fact that volatility from the ebb and flow of trade is good. For the investment banks, it's clear that investors perceive these stocks as being levered to the global economic expansion. Same thing goes for the trading arms of the regular banks. And that expansion is jeopardized by tariffs and trade barriers. So the banks, that's what people are worried about. That's crazy. Wells Fargo has virtually no international exposure. I expect it will report an excellent quarter on Friday. I don't think people recognize how much money the banks can make in this environment or how well they're tended to trade after the Fed's annual stress tests. Which is now my judgment. The big banks are all buys, particularly Citigroup. Buy, 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 buy. Because it's buying back seven percent of its shares right along with you, and it's down the standing seven percent for the year. That makes no sense to me. The banks are the cheapest relative to their earnings I have seen in almost forty years of investing. What is the deal? Here's the bottom line. We now see the truth. An absence of news on the trade war front produces spectacular results in the industrials, in the aerospace. Transports, casinos, and amazingly, the financials. It's clear that all the fretting about trade uh, trouble has brought these stocks down way too far. Even after today's rally, there's still some of the cheapest names in the market, and I think they have more room to rally. Tough talk on trade obscures so much that's good about this market and these stocks. Today, the fog lifted, and we saw what this market really looks like, and it's a beaut. The problem is, if the White House does get more aggressive on trade again, particularly if it attacks autos, that beauty does turn into ugliness. But I think that's less likely than most people believe. Let's go to Andrew in Florida. Andrew! Hey,
0: Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Nick call for president. Hey, as a long-term investor in Twitter, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts of what happened today with the uh, $70 million user suspension.
1: Ah, uh, you know, they're cleaning it up. It's time that they cleaned it up. They should have done it before. Yes, the stock did get hit. Yes, maybe someone says something negative tomorrow, but it is the alternative to advertising for Facebook and for YouTube, and the advertisers want more than two places to advertise. Twitter, I remain positive on the story. Andrew in South Carolina. Andrew.
2: Hey, Professor Kramer. How are Yo, you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing well. How about you? Um,
2: all right. Just got off the clock at work. Um, Good for you. I had a uh, I had a, a, a banking boo ya question for you. Um, I talked to you about six years ago, and we covered the stock ticker IBKR, and you gave me the thumbs up back then, but unfortunately, I did not uh, take that route. Okay. And Recently, it has gone up to 80, and then it's declined
1: down to around 60. I was
2: wondering what you think.
1: It's just been pulled down by this general negativity on the financials. And I got to tell you, I would pull the trigger. Bye, bye, bye. I think that it's a good stop. Buy some here, and then let's see if it goes lower because the charts feel bad. People trade, they pay way too much attention to the charts when it comes to the financials. All right, so this is what it looks like underneath. (laughs) Underneath the news about a trade war. What a bullish, beautiful opportunity. Oh, man, tonight, IMI & Company is considered the Netflix for fashion, and its shares are up 65% since the end of May. Is it time to get your fix or stitch fix, or did I just blow it and miss it? Then one of America's iconic toy stores has officially closed. It may be game over for Toys R Us, but what does it mean for toys and CoinMaker Hasbro. And it's a company that works with the likes of Adobe, eBay, Citigroup, Anthropology, uh, Urban Outfitters, uh, XP, oh I give all the banks. And it's partnered with IBM. Is it worth considering MongoDB? Wow, I've got the CEO. So stick with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question?
2: Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth.
1: Last November, we ran a piece on a little company called Stitch Fix, S-F-I-X, that had just come public. Even though it had a very intriguing story, it's basically a -a style-as-a-service company where you subscribe and get curated shipments of apparel, shoes, and accessories on a recurring basis. I told you that the stock seemed too risky to me, too risky to recommend. At the same time, Stitch Fix was trading at $22 and change. You know what? Okay, for the next few months, it was absolutely the right call. As recently as early June, the stock was at $18 and change, down nearly 20% from those levels. But man, I wish I'd circled back to this one. Because when Stitch Fix reported a month ago, they shot the lights out. The quarter was so incredible that the stock instantly pole vaulted up more than 25%. Incredibly, since then, it just keeps climbing. It's now surged 64% since the end of May. Wow. So my bad. Clearly, I should have been more positive. The question is, what do we do now? Could Stitch Fix have even more to run, or do we need to take a deep breath and admit we missed the move? Let's start with some background. For those of you who don't know, Stitch Fix offers a very cool value proposition. When you sign up for the service, you fill out a 10-minute online style profile. Then the company's stylists, with help with some proprietary algorithms, figure out the kind of apparel and accessories you might want. It's kind of like how Spotify knows what music you want or Netflix anticipates your next favorite series. Every month or every two weeks or every quarter, they send you five items you try them on at home, and then you can return whatever you don't want in a prepaid bag. As with everything on the web, this is less about selling merchandise and more about collecting your data. The more information Stitch Fix gets on what its clients want, the better its predictions become. But because fashion is still very subjective, the company includes a human element, professional stylist, to make sure they get it right. So what makes this thing so intriguing? Simple, compared to previous generations, well, millennials, you know what millennials? We always try to figure out what they want. We well, you know one thing they do they hate shopping. Uh, Why well, go to the mall when you can get virtually everything off the internet? I mean, the one partial exception is clothing. If you want stuff that actually looks good for you, you need to try it on. Stitch Fix removes that from the equation. It's like the budget version of having a personal shopper. Like I said shortly after the IPO, this company has a lot going for it, but I wanted to I wait wanted to see them prove themselves. Well, after the latest quarter, Stitch Fix has proven a plenty. Well, its first two quarters as a publicly traded company were nothing to write home about, and I thought I was going to be right about being cautious. The latest earnings report was something entirely different. Before we get into those numbers, though, there's something else we need to address. At the end of May, Stitch Fix's CEO, Katrina Lake, spoke at Recode's annual code conference, and she spoke with a level of candor that's rare for a chief executive. Lake admitted she was disappointed with the IPO. I'm going to quote her saying, absolutely disappointed, and noted that the people didn't realize, didn't really know how to value the stock right out of the gate. That is definitely true. Remember, it came public at 15, gained just 15 cents on its first day before surging at 22 bucks and changed a few days later. Lake was also adamant that Stitch Fix hasn't been trying to sell itself to Amazon. Investors don't like that kind of talk, and that's why the stock lost 3.5% after she spoke. However... Maybe people should have been paying closer attention to the rest of Lake's presentation as she explained how Stitch Fix has, quote, a lot of value in and of itself. Boy, was that ever right. Fast forward to a little over a week later, and the company reports the stunning quarter. Stitch Fix delivered a $0.06 cent earnings beat off a $0.03 cent basis, higher than expected revenue, up 29% year-over-year, and acceleration from its first two quarters as a public company. The company had 2.7 million active clients and an astounding 30% increase. They've rolled out a new game. It's called Style Shuffle that helps them collect even more data on what their users want. Most important, the company gives strong revenue guidance for both the next quarter and the full year. Now, you know that we've been critical of some of these new tech IPOs on the basis of valuation. Most of them have pulled back pretty dramatically of late, not Stitch Fix. This thing just keeps climbing. The stock's already up roughly 13% just for the month of July. It even made a new intraday high earlier today before pulling back in the afternoon, only closing down 4% on what I think is pure profit-taking. All right, so what do we do with the stock here? Even though it's run up dramatically, you know what? I think the company's proven that it's gotten its act together. This is more than just a cool concept. It's a well-executed concept, and that makes a big difference. What about this valuation? The company's profitable, but just barely so. So it would be misleading to focus on the sky-high price earnings multiple trades at over 110 times 2020 earnings estimates. Extremely pricey. Although if Citrix beats, keeps beating the estimates, the actual numbers may end up being a lot higher, which will make the stock look a lot cheaper in retrospect. Really, though, we need to judge this one on a price-to-sales basis, like we do with so many other newly public companies. Stitch Fix sells for just 2.2 times next year's sales forecast. i got to tell you, for a company with a 29% growth rate, that's darn cheap, especially versus many of the recent IPOs we profiled that sell at 6 or 7 or 8 times sales, if not more. This one's a bargain compared to that merchandise. My one worry here is that the stock has roared into the stratosphere last Thursday and Friday, and not for any discernible reason. Gaining 23% over the course of those two days makes me wonder if we might be due for a deeper pullback than the one we got today. But here's the bottom line. You know what? I actually hope Stitch Fix gives us more of a sell-off so I can really push it hard. After that incredible quarter they reported a month ago, any sustained weakness here I think would be a gift. I wouldn't necessarily chase Stitch Fix up here at 31 bucks and change. However, if you can get it for under the $30 level, yeah, I think it makes sense to start a position. And once again, I simply didn't anticipate how great this business the or the model really is. It's my bad. It's all on me. Let's go to Donna in Washington. Donna.
3: Hey, Mr. Kramer. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I really love your show. Thank you. Every- I'm retired, and I'm living in sunny Blaine, Washington, and I'm looking for stocks that won't be so hugely impacted by all the trade war volatility. Sure. And I'm looking at Canada Goose Holdings, symbol G-O-O-S. What are your thoughts?
1: Okay, we had met with Danny Reese at the beginning of the year. We liked what he said, the CEO. Then the stock had run up big, and we felt that maybe some profit-taking was in order ahead of the quarter. That was wrong. The stock ran up. But then it's come back, and it's come back to a level that I like. And I think the Canada Goose, buy, buy, buy. because exactly what you said, even though it does have some China exposure, boy, do they ever want the product. All right, Stitch Fix is all sewed up. The stock is roared into this stratosphere, but you know what? If it pulls back, I think you're getting a terrific opportunity. Buy, buy, buy! More mad money ahead. Toys R Us closed its last bunch of stores a little over a week ago, and it's left behind an island of misfit toys. So what does it mean for a company like Hasbro, I'm giving you my take. Then it's a company that's partnering and competing with the likes of Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft. You may have never heard of it. I'll tell you if it's time to invest in MongoDB. And think the strength we're seeing in pharma, healthcare, and real estate could stick? Don't make a move before hearing my take. And stick with Kramer.
3: Tomorrow kickoff the trading day was squawk on the street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Let's go back in time. There was a man.
1: This man sat next to me. It was in the fourth week of August. The market opened down 1,000 points. What did you say when I turned to you and said, what the heck is going on? I don't remember. I got to make some calls. Oh, yes, I did.
3: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. For an icon of fun, it's the end of an era. But the joy of toys will reach children in new and innovative ways. Will Hasbro be on the vanguard of this new day in global play?
1: Has everybody seen this picture making its way around the Internet? The one of Jeffrey the giraffe packing up to leave an empty Toys are Us? For those of you who grew up with Toys R Us, its liquidation may feel like a sad moment, the end of an era. But on a terrific day for the stock market, rather than being depressed, I think we need to be opportunistic. Bye, bye, bye. So what's the opportunity here? I think the demise of Toys R Us may be giving you an excellent chance to get into Hasbro the huge toy maker, at a major discount. Here's a stock that's down 17% from its highs last summer, mostly because of Toys R Us-related turbulence. When one of your largest distributors <laughs> goes under, I mean, that is going to hurt. But now that the liquidation is over and done with, I think the worst of the collateral damage could be coming to an end. I'm not saying Hasbro has, or- has already bottomed, although given the recent strength in the stock over the past couple of months, it's certainly possible. I'm saying, uh, well... <sighs> Not until the next quarter, uh, which they're reporting later this month. Well, I really feel confident. Now, uh, what, I, what I'm telling you is that you might want to use any additional Toys R Us-related doom and gloom to scale into Hasbro weakness. Because long term, you may end up looking back on this moment. as a terrific buying opportunity. I'm not against buying some now, but I'm just saying it may not be, have bottomed yet. What makes you so confident? Well, for starters, we've seen this movie before. It's not like Toys R Us is the first major bricks-and-mortar retailer to go under, crushed by the weight of online competition and a lousy balance sheet. Remember when Sports Authority declared bankruptcy in 2016 and then quickly closed all of its stores? Well, that was a brutal time for the stocks of companies that supplied Sports Authority. I mean, look at Nike, okay? From the time the chain filed for bankruptcy protection in March of 2016 to the time most of the locations had been closed in August of the same year, Nike stock got taken to the woodshed. Obviously, it's not good for business when one of your top distributors goes under. And that wasn't the end of the agony, because when Sports Authority closed, they ended up dumping a ton of excess inventory on the market, which depressed the whole athletic, athletic apparel space for a pretty long time. It took Nike stock a few months to bottom and over a year before it really started roaring in. But if you were patient if you used the pain to buy nike the weakness you eventually got an amazing opportunity because long-term nike was not totally dependent on sports authority it's the dominant player in the sneaker sp- space and it was always going to do just fine with or without sports authority they just had to get over some short-term speed bumps the result if you bought nike near the bottom and around say 50 bucks a share Well, you now have a 50% plus gain with the stock currently trading at the $77 range. In short, the Liquidation Sports Authority created a buying opportunity. In this best-of-breed sneaker stock even if it sure didn't feel that way at the time which brings me back to hasbro i think it's in a very similar situation now that toys r us has gone down in flames to my mind this is the best-of-breed toy maker you know hasbro is the company that makes nerf my little pony transformers but more importantly they license the star wars and marvel comics brands from disney so every time you see one of those mega blockbuster movies well, guess what? Hasbro is the company that's making the action figures. Now, over the long haul, Hasbro has been an excellent performer. The stock has more than doubled in the past five years, trouncing the S&P 500 up 70% over the same period. But for the past 12 months, well, it's turned into a real dog, particularly since Toys R Us filed for bankruptcy last September. I don't want to be dismissive here. The fall of Toys R Us has been a debacle for Hasbro. The company put up 10% revenue growth in the second quarter of last year before things got really ugly. Whereas in the last quarter, they posted a 15.7% decline. The house of pain. Their operating margin, a key measure of profitability, shed 1,630 basis points year over year. That translated into some monster earnings per share shrinkage, down nearly 77% year over year. Hasbro CEO Brian Goldner has been very candid about the scale of the problem and the fact that it caught him off guard. The company was getting 9% of its sales from Toys R Us, and he admits it's a major short-term disruption because they didn't exactly see it coming. But listen to what he told us when he came on the show in April.
2: We're really just focused on communicating to our audience what's really going on and that we had to get through the Toys R Us liquidation. Uh, it will continue through the second quarter in the United States, and then we'll move on cleanly in the third and fourth quarter
1: that's why I'm afraid to just say, it's bottom. I mean, he just told you, we're in for a rough second quarter, too. But then things should get better. And next year, Hasbro will be up against some very easy comparisons. Makes sense. The basic dynamics of the toy business haven't really changed. There's still the same amount of demand, right? You just have one less player trying to fill it. Meanwhile, everybody else from Amazon to Kohl's is trying to fill the vacuum. But whichever retailer wins, they're going to want Hasbro's merchandise because they have the best media tie-ins. And look, I'm not the first guy to notice this. Hasbro stock's been rallying hard since April. The last time I spoke to Goldner, right after the company reported its latest uh, not-so-hot quarter, the stock was at 86. Now it's at 96 and change. So I'm really glad I did tell you to buy some. While the actual numbers were indeed disappointing, Golder painted a compelling long-term picture. He keeps adding new distributors, and he's invested more heavily in e-commerce, which carries higher margins for Hasbro because it lets them cut out the middleman. No wonder the stock actually ended up rallying in the wake of that rough quarter after initially opening down. When a company reports some bad numbers and its stock rallies, well, that is one of the most bullish signs you can possibly get. Clearly, management agrees. In mid-May, Hasbro announced a $500 million buyback. That's equal to roughly 4.5% of the company's market cap at the time. Hasbro has something else going for it, too. Their main rival, Mattel. Well, let's just say it has some serious problems. Mattel's core brands like American Girl and Barbie just aren't resonating like they used to. Meanwhile, its balance sheet stinks. Its sales have been declining for years, and there's just no buzz for its products. Mattel has been under pressure from activist investors, and they recently brought a new CEO to turn things around. I'd much rather own Hasbro as a way to play this Toys R Us situation. Uh, they don't need a turnaround. They just need to get over the Toys R Us hump. Again, I am not saying the stock is ready to roar here. When Hasbro reports its next quarter, it's very possible the stock could still get hit. That's why I recommend, let's say, buying some right now and then waiting for an earnings-related pullback two weeks from now before buying more. Bottom line. If the aftermath of the Toys R Us liquidation plays out anything like Sports Authority, and I think it will, you're going to want to build a position in Hasbro over the next six months. It's the Nike of the toy space, and I think it makes a terrific long-term holding. Just remember that you need to be patient before you put it on your full position. I think we'll look back and marvel that we got this amazing opportunity. Brad in Texas, Brad. Howdy, Mr. Kramer. How are you today? I'm having a real good day. How about you, Brad?
3: Uh, real fine. Thank you, sir. Okay. My, my question or comment is on ticker DG, Dollar General. They paid a 29 cent dividend today. They expect that to rise. They've opened 241 new stores. They plan for 900 more this year. They're remodeling 1,000. They, they expect a sales growth of 9%. Mm-hmm. Do I hold on to this Yes, thing for another absolutely, three Brad, or five absolutely. Years?
1: My only rival here is actually five below, which has really been on fire. But Dollar General is a very good company. I like it a little more than Dollar Tree, even though I like shopping at Dollar Tree because Dollar Tree is still a little mired in that acquisition of different family dollar. I think you got one, and I love your knowledge of the situation. I think that's what's most impressive. Why don't we stick with Texas? Why don't we go to Greg in Texas? Greg! Hey, Jimmy, big booyah and a
3: shout-out to all the bad Money crew. There we go. Uh, I love the crew. What's up? I, I want to just uh, acknowledge uh, Villanova basketball and Pat's Steaks is the best cheese steaks in Philly.
1: Well, I like the first one. The second one clearly is wrong because it's Geno's, but that's all right. There's no accounting for taste. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> hey, uh, quick question here. Um, Turtle Beach. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I know what the gaming craze that's going on with uh, Fortnite and the Battle Royale. Uh, right. Tur- Turtle Beach seems to have uh, the headsets that people want. Is this, do you think there's more growth opportunity? Here's what with we got to do.
1: I watch this stock trade every day on what we call the crawl underneath the show. And I keep saying to myself, I have got to look into this, but it wasn't big enough, literally, until this week. Now it is, I'm gonna come back with some homework and get it together and tell you what I think of the story. Hey, listen, it's a new kind of toy story. Start a position in Hasbro and then build it on the way down. Don't forget, a reason. Watch more have money at including my exclusive with a company that's disrupting the database. Don't miss my sit down with the CEO of MongoDB. Then drug stocks, REITs, and healthcare companies have been thriving in this environment. But should they be? I'm going to give you my take No all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. On a day where the market exploded higher, driven by tech and the industrials, what do we do with kind of speculative tech stocks that were red hot until a few weeks ago? Take MongoDB, that's MDB for you, home gamers, a software as a service company that helps other businesses do a better job of managing their databases, which are often so old and out of date that they require a ton of maintenance. I recommended this stock shortly after it came public last October. It's given you a monster 70% gain. You know I think this is a good one, but can it keep going higher? A month ago, MongoDB reported a terrific quarter, a nice top line beat. Get this, 49% revenue growth. Even as the earnings were only in line, but it's not really an earnings story. It's a revenue growth story. The company's database as a service business is red hot. Subscription revenue growing at a 53% 53% clip. The thing is, even though the company is doing very well, its stock is, we gotta say, it's expensive. sells for 12 times this year's uh, sales estimates. Now, that is a sky high valuation, even after the stock has pulled back nearly seven bucks from its highs earlier this month. So, could this be the time to ring the register, or should we get into the stock if you've missed it? Let's check in with David Idicharia. He's the president and CEO of MongoDB to get a better sense of how his company's doing, where it is headed. Mr. Itty Charia, welcome to Bad Money. Good to have you, sir. Thank have a seat, Dave. Thank you. Well, I've got to tell you, we're going to get right into it by using a Canaccord Buy recommendation, and you're going to do some translating for okay. us. Uh, the statement is, at a very high level, Mongo has built a better architected database that provides availability and access at scale. Help us understand what that means.
6: Uh, so one thing I would say is software is really disrupting every industry and every company, right? And so the data is the lifeblood of every software application. Application used at work, an application used at home, an application on your mobile device. And the database is where you store, process, and analyze data. At MongoDB, we have built a database for today's modern requirements, for high availability, for scalability, for data locality, to be able to put data in... Per- particular reasons or for regulatory requirements like GDPR right. and, and for a bunch of other reasons. And that's why people are choosing MongoDB over any other
1: technology. Okay. I went to your website, two customers that you highlight, Urban Outfitters. We all know that's companies doing incredibly well. And then my friend Stephanie Link recommended Expedia today uh, and you're involved with their Scratchpad. Just tell us what, where, could you even do something like Scratchpad without MongoDB?
6: So MongoDB um, is really the best technology to work with data. So the the reason why we're so popular is we make it so easy for our customers to work with data. So we have customers of all shapes and sizes. We have some of the largest banks, telcos, media companies, people like Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Barclays, AT&T, Verizon, Oof. all using us. And we also have people like Coinbase who's building a first uh, question. Uh, cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency trading pla- Yeah, and so, and they're building their business on top of MongoDB. And what's interesting about their story is when they started their business, they thought they were actually late to the market. So they needed a platform that they quickly develop and iterate on. And now they've become the most trusted ba- uh, brand in the cryptocurrency space here in the US.
1: Now, one of the things that's happened, even since you came public, you said in the last 18 months, you were seeing 20 conversations with C-suite people. Uh, I did not expect you to be at that level already. What's occurring here? Well, I think what
6: we're seeing is that customers care deeply about software because software is disrupting every industry and every company, and they want to be able to use modern software technology. What's interesting is that You know, today, customers are saddled with legacy database technology.
1: Here, You're talking about maybe an Oracle. Exactly.
6: And Oracle was founded in 1977. So you're talking about technology that's over 40 years old. But the world has changed radically over the past 40 years. 40 years ago, Jim, you and I were using rotary phones to make phone calls, right? Now we have a computer in our pocket. But people are still stuck with a database technology that's 40 years old. The reason we've had so much success is that people are realizing that they need to use a database
1: technology for today and tomorrow's requirements, not yesterday's requirements. There was a moment in the comms call I thought was really interesting. It was uh, the idea that IBM reached out to you Yes. To, so that they could sell your product. Sometimes we see that you know, smaller companies reach out to them and it looks like it's just kind of pro forma. This is a real partnership.
6: Exactly. So the IBM came to us because they heard from their customers that they wanted a next generation database technology and in particular MongoDB. Okay. For us, we're going after a massive op- uh, market opportunity. This market is one of the largest markets in enterprise software. It's over $60 billion in size by the end of this decade. <laughs> the
1: largest total addressable market <laughs> out there for small medium size.
6: Oh, and even large companies. Okay. And so, And so our biggest challenge is reach. Even though we're a small company and we're growing quickly, we can only touch so many customers. There's so many opportunities and customers and markets that we can't get to ourselves. And so what IBM does for us with their thousands of salespeople and their brand and their relationships is give us access to opportunities and customers
1: that we just can't get to ourselves. And they're selling your hottest product, which is Atlas. Right now it's 14% of your business, but obviously it's growing so fast it's just... It's just going to be a major part of your company.
6: Actually, they're selling a core product. This Atlas is not part of the deal, oh, but okay. Atlas is our one of is the fastest growing part of the business. Now, the reason Atlas is so important is that Atlas is our managed cloud offering, and okay. what customers have said is that MongoDB is really popular. Uh, everyone's moving workloads to the cloud, mm-hmm. and they want to consume. Um, you know, uh, uh, infrastructure as a service, and Atlas is a great fit. Six quarters ago, we only had 400 customers. Now we have 10x the number of customers. That's incredible. And uh, six quarters ago, it was inconsequential to business. Now it's 14% of our business.
1: Well, I tell you, you have an amazing story, and it's it's bigger than a lot of companies realize. Your story, and then I think obviously with that revenue growth, it's extraordinary. That's Dave idicharias President and CEO of MongoDB. I'm glad we recommend this to you. I don't think the story's done. Everybody's back after the break. It is time! It's over the light round over. to Raph, will run away, save the stars, and And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skiing daddy down the light round comes It's over with Anthony in New York. Anthony. Jim, my stock is Prudential Financial. Ticket symbol P R U. It's down from its high, about 25%. I've been accumulating it, so I continue to. Well, you know what? You're dead right. It's been lumped in with all ah, this trade war stuff. And how ridiculous is that? It's time to buy Prue. I want to go to Sharon in New York. Sharon. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing
5: well. I love your show. I Thank listen you. to you all the time. Thank uh, you. Just just curious about your feelings on Smartsheet. I know it was down today. Do you feel it's a buy or a sell? You
1: know what? I'm partial. At my travel at trust Zone, Salesforce.com, and I don't like to think beyond that, frankly. I think that that's the best way to play it. Let's go to Patrick in New York, please. Patrick! Hey, Jim, how are you doing? I'm, I I'm am good. How about you? you? Good. I'm a big fan of you and your book. Get rich carefully. Read it. Oh, thank the you. Thank you very much. <laughs> One of the things you mentioned in the book is the effect of sector movement, adversely affecting stock, not Indeed. necessarily in the news cycle. Right. My
2: question is about the biotech company Editas recently hit with a. Mis- you know, this discussion. is a gene
1: splicing guy. I happen to be going over the, this particular technology with with actually someone who's. Uh, She's the head coach of an NFL team. We were both kicking the idea that this is where you have to be. This is probably the speculative one that I think works the best. It is speculative, though. Edward in Georgia. Edward. Jim, I bought Home Depot at $200. Do I hold I it? I want you to buy or more. Pretty simple. I think it's the right kind of stock. I think it's good. I just got frozen in obviously, by mentioning it, but I think that this is one that my travel trust has been looking at actively. Costco reports later this week. Maybe it comes down on that. They give you a monthly number. Let's go to Gary in California. Gary!
3: Hey, beautiful Southern California. Booyah, out of you, Jim. Lucky ma'am. What's
0: up? Well, I want to thank you for all you do along with my 20-year-old son Dylan who is a huge fan. And I love solar energy
3: and know that you are a proponent of first solar, but want to know what you think of Solar
1: Edge. Alright, well First Solar is gonna report soon and we do have to worry about the Chinese flooding solar though. We did put a tab on it. Solar Edge is a very it's a technology company connected to solar and therefore has much higher barriers ah, to entry. Ah. I like that. Let's go to Chuck and Pennsylvania, Chuck! Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jim, and thanks for all you do to help investors like me. Do my best, man. Do my best. Thank you.
5: And a quick shout out to my neighbor, Chris, who always watches you too. It's a great
0: show. Hey, my question is about RPM. RPM, you look, Elliot
1: took a position in it, and you know we like the cup. You've had him on a couple times. The, the acquisition, the uh, stake that they took made them, ah. let's say, uh, made RPM be a little more forceful, a little more aggressive, and it's working. I think it's a good situation still, even up here. Derek in California, Derek!
3: Booyah, Jim, first time caller here. Okay.
5: Southwest Airlines, ticker sign think Look, do I want to call
1: the bottom in Southwest? I do think that oil could go higher, but I am. Gary Kelly is too good for this stock to be down all the way here at 52. That's ridiculous. I mean, he's a really good operator. All the airlines are under tremendous pressure. I think that this is the finest one. Bob in Arizona. Bob.
3: Hello, Dr. Kramer. How are you doing? I
1: am doing well. How about you? Very good. Hot air, but great. Otherwise. Excuse me? What was that?
3: Very hot here. but uh, Oh, hot. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: extremely problem. Go ahead.
3: So looking at uh, Kirkland Gold, symbol K.L. I don't uh, get this Rip- one.
1: This thing is just, I mean, look, I like Grand gold. This thing is the best acting gold stock on the market. It is just incredible. I mean, it's like they just discovered gold or something. I have no comment on this one. It is way too hot for me. Let's go to Gary in New Mexico, which I thought might be the state of the year, but now I don't know. You know, we're doing the state, the state thing. Gary, you got You know, Gary, you're, you're Cone, Scott Cone. Yeah. Anyway, what's up? Let's go to Gary in New Mexico. Good, Gary.
2: Good afternoon, Jim. Thanks I like for the
1: opportunity. Thing. I like that. Regina, I like that. What's up?
3: I called to ask about Celgene in your opinion. I uh, bought it on a on They just the reported
1: of- a uh, really, literally after the close. They reported that they made a breakthrough in a particular illness that I did not, Kaylee did not know the illness, but I do think that the biotech group is going up. My friend Stephanie Link, also known as the Linkster, has been recommending Gilead. I think that Celgene is part of an overall group move. It's working. Rod in Pennsylvania, Ron.
3: Good morning, or good afternoon, rather, Jim. Uh, Ron from Mount Bethel, Pennsylvania. Booyah. Booyah. It's an hour to drive away from your Eagles. I'm Go calling birds. about bb and I've got a bundle of it. I got it through mergers with smaller
5: banks. It's a super I regional. I like the
1: regional banks. They don't have enough they don't have Chinese exposure, thank heavens. By the way, PNC reports Friday. That will determine how BB&T goes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round. Is sponsored by TG Ameritrade.
1: This market keeps doing the impossible, or at least the supposedly impossible. For example, we have incredibly strong job growth, yet the drug stocks, the real estate investment trusts, the health cares, and the utilities have all been excellent performers. Now, that's not supposed to happen. These are the slow and steady groups that tend to go higher when the economy is slowing down. <laughs> And people are worried about a recession. Until today's phenomenal rally, the banks and the industrials were laggards, even though they're the classic examples of what works in a rapid economic expansion like we're having, but they've been ignored. At this point in the business cycle, you'd expect the market to be in vicious rotation mode, with money moving out of the slow and steady defensive stocks and into the cyclicals, which get more benefit out of a robust economy. Of course, that's not what's been happening, at least until today. This gets at the central conflict of this entire market. On the one hand, we have an incredible economy. On the other hand, many people are terrified all this strength will go up in smoke thanks to the president's aggressive policy on trade, which could trigger a global slowdown that might be exacerbated by the Federal Reserve's desire to raise interest rates. Even though we have no substantive evidence of a slowdown whatsoever, tons of investors are afraid of one. Today's terrific rally is what happens when they stop worrying and learn to love the economy. But what happens if President Trump goes right back to escalating the trade war tomorrow? I think we're going to shift back into the same environment where the defensives lead the way and the cyclicals get left by the wayside. Sell, sell, sell. Now, for starters, the thirst for anything domestic will be overwhelming. Hence why investors have been liking the real estate investment trusts, the utilities. These have just been big winners. The winning REITs are the ones connected with brick-and-mortar shopping. And while we may not want to believe it, these companies are doing much better than you'd expect. Witness the Toys R Us just closed 700 locations and the retail REITs went higher anyway? Because there's a tremendous confidence that the spots will be filled quickly with hobby stores, specialty grocers, gymnasiums. When you combine the higher sustainable dividends with lower long-term treasury yields, well, you can see the appeal. How about these utilities? We tend to think that these stocks are disconnected from the broader economy, but I think that's because we've pretty much given up on being a growth nation when it comes to large-scale factories, manufacturing. They're the principal users of electricity. However, there's been a manufacturing renaissance of late. I speak to enough utility companies to know the demand is higher, and the more customers they have, the better they do. And boy, oh boy, are they doing well. And don't forget also, the data centers use a lot of electricity, too, Healthcare, All right, this one's a tougher nut to crack. Unless you believe this economy is going into a recession because of the tariffs, that will literally hit the wall, it is really hard to fathom the strength here. How strong is healthcare? Oh, I get this. The president took to Twitter to criticize pharma in general and Pfizer specifically for raising prices unfairly. Stock barely blinked. I can give you some theories. The strength in big pharma has to do with ever-larger dividends versus ever-shrinking treasury yields. Then on the other side, there is innovation. If Biogen's Alzheimer's drug really works, then that stock could be up a huge amount, more than it was on Friday. Seriously, investors are starved for innovation, and biotech ETFs with one big winner can lift the whole group. All that said, I go back to my original thesis. While these are seemingly terrific reasons to buy the defensive stocks here, at the end of the day, the recent strength is all about trade worries. Just like the industrials were mindlessly punished for fear of China, these domestic players were mindlessly rewarded for being relatively immune to a global slowdown. And look, if you think the president's going to get still more confrontational on trade, then it's the REITs, the utilities, and the healthcare stocks that are going to go right back up and will reassert the bizarre leadership at this point in the ongoing economic expansion. Stick with Kramer. Tonight at 10 on CBC, it's the premiere of an all-new series from the producer of American Greed, Deadly Rich, where the road to riches is paved with blood. The rich do everything different, even murder. Do not miss this. Like I said, there's always more markets on my promise are find just for you right here, man. Money. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you tomorrow!